Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. Lots of people talk to animals, but not very many listen, though. That's the problem. And that's by Benjamin Hoff from the Tao of Pooh, which is a wonderful little book on life. So welcome again to The Profitable Photographer. I am super excited about our next guest, Lisa Asp. She is a pet photographer. And before we start having a great conversation together, I want to invite you to go to lucydumascoaching.com and check out my free gifts. I have a little marketing book, and then I have seven tips on how to find great clients. So jump over there and get engaged in what I'm up to. If you want to have a quick conversation, just send me a little, a little hello in the contacts and I'll set that up for you. So with all that being said, I want to introduce Lisa. Lisa owns Tangerine House of Design, and she's also the photographer. She's been creating photographic art since 1995. So, you know, a minute. (laughs) She's been included in the PPA loan collection books and the show collection a number of times, has appeared on television and radio discussing her work. She is a CPP, a master and a craftsman and a master artist degree. And when you join PPA, you will understand what that means. And what's amazing about that is fewer than 1% of all professional photographers hold all of these. I'm a master craftsman. Uh, She's got that extra bonus master artist. She mentors and teaches and speaks frequently to increase the knowledge and expertise in our industry. Now, big thing to know is that she's the founder and director of the Animal Image Makers Conference, and it's coming up. And so stay tuned at the end of the show. She'll talk to you a little about how to participate. So thank you so much, Lisa. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Me too. Me too. Okay. So. I always like to know a little bit about where you came from, why dogs, why photography, or some other cool thing you want to share. Yeah, well, uh, like you said, I've been doing this a really long time. I actually got started with photography in college. Um, I was doing an art major and didn't really know what I wanted to do and had to take a photography class for one of my general art classes and fell in love. Uh, So I took every photography class I could from that point forward. And then my first studio experience was working at a Sears portrait studio in college, (laughs) which is so funny. Um, I didn't love it, but it was a really great way to learn how to work with people and learn some basic posing and and really kind of get started. Um, But it didn't take long for me to to get a job at a different photography studio where I could actually use my creativity and and, and do my own thing with it. Yeah, Yeah, when I started, I filled in some of my time as I was building my business, working at a studio that did a coupon program. And she was not really great with kids. So twice a week, I came in for four hours a day and photographed the children. The lights were glued down. Was that true at Sears as well? Or did you? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But and what I learned with studio photography is half the battle is furniture arranging. So (laughs) You know, getting the right props, the right set, the right height, the right combos, and then the bodies fit in well with that. And then the other is that interaction and relationship and paying attention. So it is not bad experience. (laughs) Right. Well, right. Like I said, it was a good base to kind of get me started, but I did learn really quickly that there was no creativity involved whatsoever. Head height had to be exactly like you had to center one person's head on the other person's like between their ear and their chin. And like, it was very, very, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Very precise in exactly what they wanted you to do. There was zero, zero independent thinking. Right. 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 I know I learned uh, that that is not how I wanted to have my business. Sounds like I learned that as well very quickly. (laughs) Thank you. That's right. (laughs) 
So how did you decide to specialize? I know you also do beautiful portraits, but um, obviously you're super passionate about dog photography and yeah, it's pretty new in the industry. And as we were chatting about one of my coaching clients did not believe that people would pay good money for pet photography. And she just cleared a million dollars in sales in the last four years. So she proved me right, proved herself wrong. Yeah, um, that's incredible. Yeah. Well, and others do that as well. Um, so tell me a little about the joys of dog photography, why you, you know, focus on that as a specialty. Yeah. Well, I've been doing pet photography since about 2001, which is when I got my first dog as an adult. Um, mm. it, he was a retired racing greyhound and I was working for another studio at the time and brought him in after hours and loved it. And then I dog sat for a couple of other people and brought their, their dogs into the studio after hours and loved it. And then I opened my business in 2003. And one of the first things that I wanted to do was a fundraiser for the greyhound rescue that I got my dog through. And uh, so we did that and that turned into an annual event for different rescues. And then I ended up moving back to Minnesota, which is where I grew up in 2011. And th this fundraiser was so successful for me at my studio in Connecticut that immediately I knew I wanted to do that when I got to Minnesota. So I, I teamed up with a rescue. We did this fundraiser. Um, I started working with a few other rescues to photograph their adoptable dogs. And it just snowballed from there. Mm. Um, prior to that, I did a lot of families and kids and high school seniors and newborns and kind of anything portrait. Uh, but since 2011, it's been all about the dogs. And I am such a huge animal lover that I'm, it just makes me so happy. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, and I also think it's an area where it's not oversaturated. Right. It may feel like it if you're a pet photographer, but <laughs> compared yeah. to my specialty, Lisa, is baby photography. Right. right. <laughs> and I was, it was a wide open field when I switched from weddings to babies in was it mid nineties? Yeah. Like I was like, there was three of us that people would find and kind of decide between. And now I have 881 wow. uh, photographers on the map in my zip code. And I'm sure yeah. 800 of those are kid photographers. So exactly. Well, and that's what I found when I moved to Minnesota. Um, I'm in Minneapolis and it's a really saturated market. There are a ton of photographers here. So starting over with a brand new business, I had to think, you know, what can I do that I do well, that I already have a portfolio of and what's something that other people aren't doing. And for me, that was pet photography. I, I really enjoyed doing that when I was in Connecticut. There wasn't a lot of competition in Minneapolis doing that. There were a handful of people, you know, maybe maybe three others that were doing pet photography. And so it just seemed like a natural thing for me to go that direction because like I said, there was not a lot of competition. And when you're in a brand new market, nobody knows you and you don't have a business, you're completely starting over. You need to be able to stand out from the crowd. And for me, pet photography was one of those things that, mm -hmm. that allowed me to do that and do my own thing. Well, and I noticed on your website and your, was it Instagram I went to, that studio portraits is uh, the main, right? your main um, location. And I think that is more unusual as well with pet yeah, photography. Well, I've, I've done studio photography since I got started way back when at Sears Portrait Studio. Yes. <laughs> I can do location work and I do some location work, but I really love, I love working in a studio. And I think that, again, it's one of those things that as, as photography becomes a lot more mainstream with the onset of digital and cell phone cameras being better and better all the time, what's one thing that can set us apart from the so-called moms with a camera is studio lighting. They don't have the, the capability to do that. They don't have the knowledge to do that. They just go outside and they, they can take beautiful photos outside, but it's very different from the stuff that I'm producing. I mm -hmm. And you can do it year round. Correct. So many, especially of, in Minnesota. <laughs> yes. So many of my coaching clients who specialize in pets are, it's just, crickets right now because they mostly do outdoors. Although I do love a beautiful winter portrait with that beautiful soft light bouncing yes. up everywhere. But um, 
Right. We don't have that in San Diego. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and even, you know, in Minnesota, even though we do, there's a lot of the winter that it's just absolutely freezing outside, like below zero. And, you know, God forbid, if the wind blows, it's going to be that much worse. And it's just unbearable to be outside. And even dogs will be cold. And, you know, unless they're running around, they're going to be freezing and they're going to be shivering. And, uh, you know, that's not comfortable for anybody. And the dog isn't going to look good and natural. And, and that's really what you want. So, yeah, extreme winter that's really hard and mm -hmm. summer it's hot and humid here also mm -hmm. so that's also really hard so i love having a studio yeah for, for that for, that's one reason <laughs> yeah i i had this little picture of a little doggy's paws frozen to the sidewalk yeah, yeah like literally <laughs> oh. dogs wear boots here because they will freeze their feet just going for a walk <laughs> yeah oh <laughs> yeah okay so you mentioned a fundraiser and I notice you do pinup pets. Yes. Promotions. <laughs> okay. So we have not ever talked about something like this and the profitable photographer. So I know that my listeners are going to love to learn how you do it and some of the ins and outs. And I know it's, it's a great idea, not just for pets, but fundraisers for other organizations. So um, but let's talk about, first of all, what is a pinup pets fundraiser? Hard to say. <laughs> yes. So the pinup pets fundraiser is something that I started uh, years ago. And this was one of the things that I did in Connecticut and brought it with me. It wasn't called that when I was in Connecticut, but I brought it, the, the concept with me. And this is what I ended up calling it when I got here. Um, the, ultimately, what we do is we produce a calendar that the rescues that I work with will sell and raise, they'll raise money through sales of these calendars. Mm -hmm. So in order to get to that point, we need to have photos to put in the calendars. So what I do is set aside a month every single year for this fundraiser and people will book a session. And these are smaller sessions. Typically my sessions are about an hour long. These are more like 30 minutes. So it's, it's a little bit more limited, um, but they pay a session fee and I waive the session fee in lieu of an, uh, a donation to the organization that I'm working with. And so that's the first way that we're raising money for them and i'm donating my time that way as well so and they don't pay a session fee they do a donation correct okay right and now this past year, you know, I'll, I'll do a little, a little side note here because of COVID, I had to switch out kind of how I was doing some of these things. I wanted there to be less contact, um, fewer contact points between everybody. And so rather than taking a check or, a, or cash or spending time processing credit cards, we asked for a donation upfront at the time that they booked their session, which I don't typically do. And so when people booked their session, they just paid for that online. So it was one less thing we had to do when they got to the studio. Mm -hmm. And that worked pretty well, actually. So I may end up continuing to do that. But in previous years, I haven't. I just collect the donation when they when they arrive. Huh. And uh, and so we, we do the session. We get some beautiful images. Um, and then people will come in and they'll order images for themselves. And that's how it's a win-win because I'm keeping the money that I make from the sales. And that's important with this is that it needs to be a win-win. But then one image from each session is chosen for the calendar contest. And so those are all put online once all the sessions are done and the public votes for their favorite images. And so this is where the public will, like my clients will spread the word. They'll ask all of their friends and their families and their coworkers and anybody who they want to, they'll, they'll send the information and tell people to go vote for my dog. And um, votes are $1 each and the top vote getter wins the cover of the calendar. And then the next 12 dogs are featured inside one per month. And then uh, we always have a bonus page in the calendar too. So for any dogs who are not part of those 13, they still get to be in the calendar. They just don't get to be featured. So their, their photo and their name is in the calendar, but everybody else has their full bio. Like what, what's the dog's name, its age, its breed, fun stories about it. If it was adopted from where, like all that kind of fun stuff mm. goes on the calendar pages. And that makes it really fun for people to read. And so people love that. I didn't used to do that. And when I started doing it, oh my gosh, the feedback that I got was unbelievable. So I've done that every year since. And so, um, so once we have our winners, then I do all the calendar layout and work with a, a local printer, um, any money that has come in from those votes, which are a dollar each, that goes to help offset the cost of printing the calendar with the goal that the organizations don't have to pay for any printing costs whatsoever. Um, and, and if there isn't enough money raised through voting, then 
that's going to go back to the organization to pay the difference because they're the ones who are going to reap the rewards of the calendar sales. Um, but in, in oh gosh, I don't know how many years now we've had at least enough money to pay for the, the cost of printing the calendar. And if there's an overage, then that gets donated back to the organization as well. And then once the calendars come in, uh, they, they get to sell them all and they get to keep the proceeds. So I let the organizations choose how many calendars they want to, to order and to sell. Um, you know, you don't want them to end up ordering a thousand and having 800 of them sitting in a box in someone's garage that can't be sold because now it's, you know, February of the following year. So, so they've gotten really good at, at estimating how many they're going to sell. And that's what we end up ordering. So, yeah. Okay. So just to review. Yeah. So you do a, see if I'm missing anything. So it's a program where people donate the session fee about how much is that donation? Average price has been around $75. And, okay. um, and that's what we charged this past year too, when people were paying online, because that's usually the average. But honestly, when I said, you know, whatever you want to donate, it's, it's ranged from $20 up to $200, just ah. depending upon, you know, where people are at financially, what works with their budget and what they're comfortable with. Okay. And they book a session with you. And these days you're getting them to make their donation in advance, which right to me makes a lot of sense because I don't like no shows. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, time is limited and time is money. So yep. why not? Plus I yep. think they may be a little, you know, there's so much to think about when you're getting ready for a session and getting there that it's one less worry right. uh, about, Oh, and I've got to pay her. Do I have my card? Where's my card? I forgot my card. I don't have a check. I can go to the bank. So anyway, I like simplicity. I like that that's worked for you this year. <laughs> yeah. So they make a donation of their choice and then you do the session and you do normal ordering, normal pricing. Yes, I do have one difference that I do for the fundraiser because I, I understand that with a fundraiser comes the expectation from a lot of people and especially people who have never had their pets photographed before like the only thing that they think about is you know santa photos at the mall kind of a thing where you go in for five bucks and you get a photo and that's right. not at all what this is and so one thing that i've done a little bit differently is i've i've offered a build your own package everybody loves packages but packages never work for people because they don't want the stuff that's in the package, but they want the discount. Right. And so what I've put together is a build your own package. So I basically offer a discount. They still order a la carte. They pick and choose what they want. But if they get to a certain price point, they get a discount. If it's a higher price point, they get a little bigger discount. Mm -hmm. So that way they're, they, they're still being encouraged to order more and they're getting a benefit for ordering more. So that makes it a win-win for people as well. Great. So is it because there's a build your own package out there in the world that few people teach where you get kind of like a Chinese menu, one from column A, one from column two. And do you know what I'm talking about? I do know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. Is it that or is it just it's not? It's not. It, I, they get my price list. Um, here's here are your options. You've got the small prints. You've got wall portraits. You've got albums. You you know whatever products work for your studio. Um, that's you know that's your product list. And if you spend X number of dollars or more, you're going to save ten percent. If you spend even more, you're going to save fifteen percent. So pick and choose whatever you want to. Got it. And, yeah. and to me, that's so much simpler. That this other column A, column B. Yeah. I've noticed it's confusing to try to explain it. It's yes. confusing for photographers to use that. Well, for some, some it works great. Right. Something that other people have done is instead of a discount, the more you spend, you get bonus money to buy more things. Sure. And that can be cool. So if you spend a thousand, you get 20% bonus. So you get an extra 200. So yeah. But yeah. I like that. But yeah. that's not something you do normally to build your it's own? It's not. No, I just have a la carte for my regular pricing. And so Got this it. is just for the fundraiser. And the other thing that I that I really have loved about the fundraiser also is that if there's a product out there that you're thinking about, but you're not sure how it's going to go over, doing something like this, that's a, that's a short-term project, you can bring in a brand new product for something like this and just see what kind of a reaction you're going to get from your clients if they like it, if they don't. And, and uh -huh. if it's a great seller, then you add it to your regular lineup. And if not, then, you know, it's not going to probably work in your regular lineup either. Right. So that's another great thing about doing something like mm -hmm. this. I'm sure that you're careful with this as well. One thing I caution people is if you add something that what I, that are what I call trinkets, like yeah. a blanket or a mini, what are those called? 
those mini accordion books or yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Yes. a locket or a refrigerator a mix, mug. something <laughs> that they, yeah. they don't get it. Like it's priced super high and yeah. the price is a, like a purchase with purchase set up. Um, you know, just a little cautionary tale out there. Right. Because you yeah. can up, up and I did a, a podcast episode called don't fall into the gopher hole. And <laughs> it's about the pricing traps where everything looks great. And then you've got a $99 digital right. or yeah. you've got the accordion books for 125 and they get three and there's 10 pictures on each and right. certain things can sabotage exactly. our sales, but other things can be, you know, little fun things to do. So I yeah, like yeah. that. Now, what's your average, uh, what's a purchase range in this program? And what is it with your normal clients? With this program, I have found, I bring in probably about 60% of my regular sales average. Okay. But the thing that, that is okay with that is that I'm not doing consultations for these sessions. Um, I'm just getting information online from them in advance. And if I need to make a phone call to get a little more than I can, um, I'm doing 30 minute sessions instead of uh, 60 minute sessions, which means fewer photos, which means my editing time is going to be a lot less and my sales time is going to be a lot less. So I really figure I'm doing half the amount of work. So if mm -hmm. I'm making at least half the amount of my average, it's okay. And I'm getting a lot of people in at one time. Um, I think my biggest year, I had about a hundred dogs in the studio within that month. And that's wow. a ton. That was a ton of work, but my sales were great. And, you know, there are some people, again, it's a fundraiser where, you know, even though I send out the information and send out pricing and make sure everybody has that before they even come in, there are still people who are not going to read anything and they won't have any idea what my pricing is. And they sit mm -hmm. down during their sales appointment because I do all in-person sales. And they, their mouths drop because it's not at all what they're expecting, even though they had the information. <laughs> right. So I've gotten really good at going through that with people during their actual session. Like, do you have any questions about the pricing? And I pull out the pricing and I, you know, point to a few things and I show mm. them some samples so they can think about that in advance. Um, but that's the last thing you want is for, you know, to do all of this work and then have somebody go, oh my God, I can't afford anything. I'm, I'm right. going to buy a mouse pad. <laughs> so <Right. laughs> yeah, you get rid of those trinkets and you make sure that they understand how all of this works in advance. Yeah. Well, that's a really good tip on that. So that's a really good info on how you give them at least a little preview is that they get the email and then you reinforce that during the session. So I see how that could work for you. Yeah. So not only do they get an automatic email um, with, an, with an appointment confirmation, I will physically mail them information in the mail. So mm. they get it in their hands. So I'm mailing them an actual price list with, an, with an another appointment confirmation and directions to the studio and all of that information. So they have that in advance. That's fantastic. I think the uh, snail mail options are underutilized. Yes. these days and um definitely having something online it's like where was that again i don't know i'll just figure it out later and then you're like oh my gosh you know yeah. i can't afford anything right and uh, you know i think too with something like this and, and i think with pet photography a lot of clients are either younger who haven't started families yet or I get a lot of older people who are empty nesters and bring their dogs in. And that generation, um, you know, not so much anymore, but what it used to be was that they just, they were not savvy at all with email or if I sent a PDF or that kind of thing, mm -hmm. you know, then an older generation really likes to have something in their hands. And so it, I think it's important to make sure that you can cater to those clients. Right. From a session, you're going to pick one image from each one and do a calendar contest. Where do you do the contest? I actually do it through shootproof.com. Oh. Which, um, yeah, you have to, you can set up. So shootproof.com for anybody who is not familiar is an online gallery site. Uh, so you can put online proofing and do online orders and all that kind of stuff. I don't use it for that at all. The only thing I really use it for is for the calendar contest. Oh. So through this website, you can set up custom products. And that's what I do is I set up one vote and five votes and 10 votes and 50 votes. So you can set it up and you can price it however you want to. And then you upload the images as if it were an online gallery. It is an online gallery mm -hmm. and then have that open to the public and people can go in and look at the photos and they can 
order, which is basically choosing how many votes they want. And they just cast their votes and they pay for them all right there. Mm. The one downside with using this is that there's no way to go in and say, okay, so this particular image, how many, how many orders or how many votes do I have on that particular image? You actually have to manually tally the votes. And mm. that can be difficult if there are a lot of votes, but it's, um, you know, if you, if you don't use it for anything else, you can set up a free account through shootproof.com, which I love. And, and it totally works. It absolutely works. And I'm not paying any commissions. I'm not paying for anything else. And all that money, extra money can go right to the organizations. That's great. Um, I'm trying to figure out how that could also translate into more people liking your page. If you have a private Facebook group, things like that. Do, do you have a system so that those people that vote get in your world? Yeah. So when they vote, they have to put in their information because they're going to put in a credit card information. So I get all of their contact information and including their emails. And so their emails can go onto my email list, which of course they can always unsubscribe for, but um, that's part of it is that they know they're, they're going to be put on. Um, and you have to be really careful with that too, because uh, you can't just start adding people willy nilly to your email list. You have to put on there that, you know, checking off by checking off on this, you will be uh, subscribing to the email, you know, some, some verbiage kind of like that. So mm -hmm. all of those people are, are there. Um, the people who go in and view the images and or vote, they can share the images on social media as well. That's one of the things you can turn on and off. Ooh. And so I see a lot of people sharing saying, oh, vote for my dog. And they can share that specific image and it'll link right back into that gallery, which is awesome. Nice. Yeah. So, so, and again, make sure that your things are watermarked. You want your watermark on every image because of that, because yes. they will be shared and there could be issues with that. So yes. just one more yes. thing to think about. So I see layers and layers and layers of how oh, it's, it's really you. a very in-depth program. And, you know, I have a whole seminar about this. I'm going to actually be doing a whole seminar about this at the animal image makers conference in April and really get into all the details. Cause there is a lot that goes into it. I, I always say that it's one of the biggest marketing projects that I do every single year. Uh, Cause it does take a lot of time and a lot of effort, but it's a really great way to give back and, and get that recognition from your community. I like, like you said, in my intro, I've been on TV and on the radio several times talking about this it's for charity and everybody loves a charity story everybody loves when a small company can raise money and honest to god like i am in the five figures most years for raising money for these organizations like other i see other small businesses who are donating five hundred dollars and oh my gosh it's such a big deal well when you can actually donate ten thousand dollars yeah that's huge that's huge so that makes you look good it makes you feel good and it brings a lot of new people into your studio who otherwise might not be coming in like this is how they hear about you so it really is a marketing project but it has to be structured so that it's not just all you doing the work for nothing you have to be able to make money on this too because you are spending a lot of time on it so how do you market and how did they market that this sure. is happening yeah, so I will create graphics for the organization to use in their social media and on their website. Um, I will print postcards and I incur the cost of that. So just printing postcards that they can give out at adoption events or they can include in a newsletter or they can send out to their to their actual mailing list if they want to. Um, I've also done posters that, you know, they've got a whole crew of volunteers, so they can drop off the posters and the postcards at, at different pet businesses, you know, just like a little postcard by the register. Oh, this is a fundraiser coming up and, and just really spread the word that way. But I think if you really rely on them to get the word out through their volunteers, um, through online posts, that helps so much with social media. But yeah, like online newsletters, um, blogs, uh, websites, social Social media. There, I mean, there's so many avenues now to get the word out there. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I think one of the big keys, especially for a small business, and for me, it's, it's just me, I'm the one doing it. I can't do all the work. It's a lot of work. And yeah. so you have to be able to rely on the organization to help you get the word out there. Uh, one year I had, um, when I, this was when I was still in Connecticut, one of the organizations I worked with, they were happy to take whatever money I could donate but they were not willing to spread the word at all. They had a physical facility and they wouldn't even hang a poster up in their lobby. Hmm. And I'm like, what the heck? So that was like one year and that was over with. I wasn't going to, cause it was, a, it's not a successful then. If you can't get enough animals into your studio for this, 
to even make a calendar, it's not going to be successful. So it really needs to be a partnership between the studio and the organization that you're working with. And when they understand that it's a partnership, that's when it's going to be successful. So it sounds like they're doing more of the legwork than like you finding pet stores and groomers and other partners. Yes. I'll supply them with, with the goods basically to get the word out there. And then they have to get the word out there. I try to do this so that it's not costing my rescues anything. Like I don't want them to spend $1 on a fundraiser if possible. So that's my goal is to make this free for them, but I do expect them to do some work. Right. Cause if you're doing everything, then, uh, yeah, you know, yes, you might get clients, but it's, it's not a win-win. And I find that if organizations, I've done a lot of work with nonprofits and some of them are really on target and effective and leadership and follow through and all that. And some are flaky (laughs) (laughs) and all well-intentioned, but, um, uh, nobody wins and, you know, have to, it's like, let's say if I'm doing 40, gift certificates for charity auctions and only three of them return the contact info to me that's basically required uh nobody wins except them they get the money and well and they may not anyway yes Yes. be sure it's a it's an organization that is going to do their part and exactly has an effective newsletter and facebook and all that um So when do you start this promotion and when are the calendars printed? Sure. So historically, you know, when I started this in Connecticut, I did it in February and I tied it in with, uh, with Valentine's day and we called it love your pet. That was the title of of it every year. Well, when I moved to Minnesota, February wasn't going to be an option because it's way too cold and there's way too much snow and there would have been way too many sessions that had to be rescheduled. So I pushed it out in the spring and it kind of, you know, moves between March, April, May, depending upon what I've got going on each year. Now, last year with COVID, like everybody was closed down during that time period uh, from March until July. And so that was the first thing I did when I was able to reopen in July. Mm -hmm. Um, I typically try to avoid the summer as well if I can, because it gets really hot. And the last thing I want is for dogs to come in panting and overheated because they're going to have their tongues out for every single shot in the session. So, you know, I keep the air conditioner cranked up in the summer and I keep the heat down in the winter because Mm -hmm. I don't want them to be hot. I want them to stay cool. Of course, not cold, but cool. And so it's really difficult in the summer too to have dogs that aren't overheated. So spring I find is really the sweet spot for me in my location. Now that's going to change for everybody, depending upon your own situation, what your own location is. Um, and then I try to have the calendars done and printed in September. And I, it seems really early, but I do that here in Minnesota because there's a huge dog event every September that a lot of the rescues take part in. And that's a great way for them to kick off selling the calendars in order, uh, in, in time for the holidays. Nice. Uh, you definitely want to have it in plenty of time to do calendar sales for holidays. Right. So how, do you do it for a month? Do you do it for two weeks? What's the shooting schedule? I shoot for a month. So I typically will book out four weeks. Okay. Um, so even in California, where the weather is not as a significant factor, I would still think that spring is a great time because then you have time to get the production done because that's yep. a lot of work. Yep. And one of the things I see people do is they start it too late and then you know they get this idea and then it's October and they're doing all these shoots and then production on calendars and then they get them you know yep too late Thanksgiving (laughs) and it when it's so I'm sure you'd agree with this the remembering that you've got a time limit product yes exactly Um, now what about have you ever tried or do you know people that instead of a calendar, it's a book. Yes. Yeah. I know several people who have done a book and that's an even bigger project. And you're not, I mean, most people are working on this for at least six months, if not 
a year, depending upon scheduling. And, you know, if you want all seasons to be represented within the book, like there are different factors that you want to consider. Um, but I've seen people do it both on location and in the studio. So, you know, if you're doing studio work and especially if you're doing all the same background, if you can book a lot of animals all at once, like you can probably do it over the course of a couple of weeks if you're mm -hmm. going for a very consistent look throughout. Um, and something like that, you know, again, it depends on how many images you want of each animal. But if you're doing one image per page and that's what they're going to have from each animal, you can knock those out really quickly. But I think that if you're doing something like that, you're also going to be really limited on sales. And I think that's a big part of it is that you it needs to be profitable for the photographer. That's the only way it's going to be a win-win because otherwise you're doing so much work for somebody else. And so for me, that's like 30 minute sessions have really been my sweet spot. I can get a lot of variety in 30 minutes, mm -hmm. but I'm not putting 100% of the effort in that I would in a full session. So that has worked well for me and I can still sell albums and that kind of thing from a 30 minute session. Why do you think a book to me? Okay. Do a book that's going to have 20 pages and we're it's a fundraiser. We're creating it this month. And then, then they do their job selling it like they would a, a calendar. Mm -hmm. Why do you think it's a bigger project, longer project? If you're talking about a 20 page book, it, it might not necessarily be, but if you're doing a book versus a calendar is 20 pages really that much of a difference? I would think a book, you would want to have a lot more than 20 yeah. pages. Cause that's so, pretty, I mean, a calendar, we basically have 13 spreads plus, uh, plus the cover. So right. That's pretty close to 20. Yeah. So my thinking on, on the why a book is because December 31st, the calendar is worthless and what didn't sell is like a giveaway, nothing. Whereas if it's a book, it's something that they can keep selling, keep selling, keep selling. Sure. So uh, yeah, just, yeah. we, I have a women's photography group and we looked into one time doing a project, uh, and we ended up doing a postcard book instead of a calendar because uh, the woman that came and gave us a, a class on all this talked about how, you know, think about is this something that you can keep selling once, once the year's up, but it, and I'm not, and yeah, absolutely. I think it, so I think on the other side, because there's a deadline, it probably motivates them to get out and sell them because they know it's, it's pretty worthless once the month is, or once the year is up. So yeah, right. I, I see the value in that. Yeah. And I think the other thing with a calendar as well is that um, the price point is going to be lower than a book. Mm -hmm. I think, I think the cost of a book is much higher. And what I see with a calendar is that People love gifting these as well. I have people ordering 20 calendars ah. so that they can give them to their friends and their family and everybody that they want because they know that all the money is going to their rescue, the rescue right. that they love and the rescue that they support. Yeah. So it's a great way for everybody. And, you know, I think if a price point of a book is more like, you know, 30 or $40 as opposed to $15, you're not going to see quite as many sales from that or people wanting to gift it because it's a much bigger investment for them up front. Right. So just one more thing to think about. I don't think there's any right or wrong. No. You know, I think everybody just needs to figure out what's best for them and their studio and for the project that they want to do. Right. Yeah. I did a um, calendar with San Diego County adoption and um, it, it wasn't a fundraiser. It was an awareness calendar. And so that people, you know, their product was children. <laughs> right. Take this one home and give it a good life and a forever family. Uh, and I used the calendars. My, my only thing I requested was a stack so I could send them to all of my clients. And so one year, instead of Christmas cards, I paid the cost of sending 200 calendars out to my favorite clients. And I got so much value out of that and even uh, renewed a friendship with, with someone because I sent one to her parents and she was like, Oh, I miss you. And so Aww. anyway, yeah, it, I can understand why people buy 50 because it is a great yeah. gift. Yeah. So, and, you know, I think it's one of those things too, that people will hang 
a calendar on their wall. And, you know, I don't think we write on calendars like we used to. My mom still does, but yeah. most people don't. Like everything's digital now and we all, you know, have our calendars on our phones. But I think people still like to hang them on the wall to have something to refer to. Mm -hmm. And I always have my logo on every single page, every single photo in the calendar. So it keeps my work in front of people all year mm -hmm. round. And I think with a book, people are going to look at it, they're going to flip through it, and then it's going to go on a shelf and they're going right. to kind of forget about it. So right. it's one of those things too. I think it really keeps it in front of people. Yes. Uh, thanks for exploring all of that with me. Yeah. I, a lot of, a lot of um, good thoughts on that. So let's see, is there anything else on that? I have one other quick topic. No, let's switch topics. That's all good. Okay. So I noticed on your website that you do this incredible, um, I don't remember the name of it, but fine art, classic, what do you call yeah. your fancy I, portraits? I call it masterworks portraits. Yes. So yeah. tell me about that and how, how, like, yeah, tell me a little about that. Sure. Well, you know, I said earlier that my history is portrait photography. I, I've done tons of families and kids and seniors and all sorts of things and have been exclusively, almost exclusively a pet photographer now for like 10 years. Well, a couple of years ago, I was just really feeling burned out and not creative anymore and wanted to do something different. And so this was my way of doing that. Um, not working with little kids where I have to really entertain them. <laughs> this is really directed at kind of the tweens. Mm -hmm. And so kids who are totally into this and especially girls who love getting dressed up, you know, they still have that in them because they're, they're, they're little kids, but yet they want to, you know, feel really good and look really good and, you know, be all made up and, and that mm. kind of thing. And so that's kind of where this originated from. They they're great because they can take direction. Um, and like I said, I don't have to be all goofy and, and entertain them in order to get the expression that I want. Um, but you know, when I go to an art museum, this is the type of work that like the old masters works. That's, that's really what I gravitate toward. That's really what I love. And so doing the style of portrait as kind of a, an homage to that, but letting me do my own thing with it. So it's kind of a modern nice. take on that, yeah. but it's having that same feel. Yeah. So question, cause I saw that you do some pets. So if let's say I came in, had a consultation and I wanted to do a masterwork of my pet instead of, uh, we'll just call it the classic studio portrait. Sure. How do you price that differently? Um, <laughs> okay. I get that's it. That's a great question. I really have it. I mean, it's kind of like, I do this with children and that's kind of what I've offered this for. I have done a couple of dogs with just a little collar on or just, you know, something that, that it's not the whole session that's been that way. It's kind of, we've got a little extra time. We've got a gazillion shots that are amazing. Your dog is being really great. Let me just throw this collar on and we'll try something different. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Cause I could see that being something that it's a, it's a package where it's $3,000 and you get a, an oiled canvas. Yes. And, um, and then, you know, whatever pricing for, for additional ones that it could be an option that some people would jump at. Yeah. And some people, it makes everything else you do look less expensive when there's, you know, right. 3000 or 5,000 or 20,000, whatever yeah, would, yeah. would fit. Um, I haven't priced that out specifically for pets because the way that I have it priced out for kids is that it includes the wardrobe, it includes hair and makeup, it includes a you know fitting in advance. So as part of their consultation, we're going to try on clothes and we're going to put it all together. And you know, pets obviously they don't need hair and makeup, and we're not going to put them in a fancy dress and all of this kind of stuff. So it's a very different thing. There's not as much involved mm -hmm. on the front end. So um, I probably should put together a package. Yeah, because it's pets. not the it's not the front end part that makes it more valuable right and right because you're a master artist i'm not sure if you do the digital painting on that uh on that kind of thing but i i could see it being a really great yeah. specialty option that brings people to you and it's sometimes um like i used to do the hand colored black and white neck when we actually physically hand colored Yes. little the spot color and before like now I guess it's considered the worst thing in the world in some <laughs> circle <laughs> but Those it's kind of so, don't they <laughs> yeah but it used to be hard to do and now it's yeah, just yeah. too easy um and people would come to me because I did that but 
and I, when I did the session, I would do black and white and also color film. And then they almost never ordered it hand colored, but it's the reason they booked me because I had something that was really special and different and yeah, and more in the fine art world back in back back in my day <laughs> when those dinosaurs roamed the earth and we had film. You know, it was something people weren't doing and people weren't doing a lot of black and white anything. So, okay. So we're almost out of time. Can you tell us quickly the, the dates for the animal image makers and how people could learn more? Yeah. So the dates are coming up quickly. Uh, April 15th through the 18th is the conference this year. The first day is going to be print competition judging. And then the next three days are going to be all sorts of different seminars. We've got an amazing lineup of like every aspect of business. It's going to be fantastic. Um, All the information is on the website. Uh, which is animalimagemakers.com. Um, and if anybody's interested in registering, you can use my last name, which is ASP, ASP, like the snake. And that's going to save you 15%. And that's going to be good for either the Barca Lounger Conference, which is what we're calling this year's conference because it is virtual. So you can take part from your own Barca Lounger. Um, <laughs> or if you want to do the VIP pass, which gets you this year and next year when we will be in, in person again. So registration for both of those, uh, that 15% discount code will work for either. Awesome. So I have two more questions for you before I let you wander off to whatever awesome things you're doing today. I know you have a special offer of something free, a download, and also how do we get in touch with you? So that's sort of two questions in one. Sure. Yeah. So one of the things that I find so valuable in my own growth is print competition. Um, I have learned so much through competing and you said you're a master photographer, so you've done all of this as well. Mm -hmm. Um, you, you just learn how to kind of critique yourself. You see other people's work, you hear the judging. And I think there's so much growth potential through the knowledge that you gain through print competition that I'm such a huge advocate. So I've put together a little book. It's just like a little five page booklet on how to kick ass in print competition is what I call it. Okay. (laughs) So if people are interested in competition, uh, this free download is for you guys to get it. um, You just text the word profit um, specifically for this show. So P-R-O-F-I-T profit to 844 pet togs, which is also 844-738- eight, six, four, seven, and we will get you that download immediately. Okay. So pet togs. Awesome. All (laughs) right. So my last question is your, your last word. So if there's something either you haven't shared with us that you'd be like, Oh, I wish I'd have said that or (laughs) just something you want to leave us with, what would that be? I would say my one piece of advice for people, and this is kind of photography related, but I think it, it, can go for, for anything, you know, in life that we need to be happy. I think there's not enough happiness in this world. So I think we need to find things that make us happy and put our energy into those things because life is way too short to not enjoy what you're doing every single day. So find that and yeah, live a happy life. I agree. (laughs) So remember to stay tuned for my wrap up of this great conversation with Lisa Asp. And Lisa, thank you so much for being on The Profitable Photographer. It's been great. And I've learned a lot. And I know people, even that aren't pet photographers, their their mind is uh, spinning about how they could do pinup fundraisers for organizations. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. And boy, the time has really flown by. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm, good to, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> so Lisa has left the building and we realized that you did not get the information on how to look up her website, which is tangerinehouseofdesign.com or send her an email or email her. And that address is info at lisaasp.com, L-I-S-A-A-S-P.com if you have questions and of course at Animal Makers. And 
here's a reminder. If you have not joined my private group, it's the Profitable Photographer and it's a Facebook group. So I do have an Instagram account. It's the Profitable Photographer underscore pod. And so I'd love for you to join the private group and also like my page. You'll get notifications every week. If you like the Profitable Photographer page with Lucy Dumas, you'll see the little promotions about each episode that's coming out. And so here's a quick wrap up. I loved the idea that has been really successful for her of a fundraiser with, for her, it's, it's pet related, of course, uh, she calls it pinup pets and they make a calendar and they photograph for about a month. They take, they take, uh, sessions for a month. They're shorter sessions. So they're about a half an hour instead of an hour and they donate what they like. And she's finding that the average is about $75, but can be higher or lower. They order her normal pricing, but she does offer some special discounting where the more they order, the more they save, which is not with the normal uh, everyday client that is not available. There are no consultations, but she does do in-person sales. I forgot to ask if she does those later or on the same day. So I don't know. You'll have to ask her. She mails them a physical price list as well as emailing so that they get that in their hand and they choose an image that will be for a calendar contest and people vote by spending a dollar each. The top vote getter gets the calendar cover. She does it through shootproof.com and you can get a free account to put this together. People pay for the votes, already said that. And if they don't become one of the people with the top voters, she still has everybody on a bonus page and the charity does all the sales and they do all the marketing. So I think it's a beautiful idea and I love how she's got it all broken down piece by piece. And you can learn more if you join the animalimagemakers.com conference, she's giving a talk on that. So again, thanks for tuning in. I'm sending you a great big hug and I've had all my shots. So I'm officially able to hug people with theirs. <laughs> so anyway, I adore you and I'm visualizing success for you and everyone else that you know and love and do the same for us. Okie doke. Bye for now. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one -on -one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.